Hello, and welcome to At the Back of Your Mind, the Inspire the Mind podcast that brings you the science on mental health with a no-nonsense attitude. I'm one of your hosts, Juliette, together with my scientist friends, Carolina and Mariam. We're often joined by fabulous guests, so grab a cup of tea and let's dive into what's exactly at the back of your mind today. Welcome to a brand new episode of At the Back of Your Mind, the no-nonsense podcast about mental health with the new kids in science. With me I have Mariam, an avid gamer who watches way too many cute animal videos on YouTube. Hi everyone, I'm Mariam. I'm a research assistant on the eBrain study and we're looking at young people's mental health and brain development. I have Carolina, who's an inflexible yogi and fierce feminist that loves to dance reggaeton in the shower. Hi everyone, my name is Carolina. I'm actually a project manager on a big program called Shaper. And what we do is we upscale small community art interventions to bigger samples. So we test how these art interventions can improve people's mental well-being and physical well-being. So we work with Parkinson's, postnatal depression and stroke. And our art interventions are singing, dancing, movement, spoken word. Uh, and it's really, really exciting. And I'm Juliet, a musical lover who has a slightly overconfident singing voice and is very enamored with her Google Calendar. I'm currently a PhD student and I'm working on how stress in early life affects development of new brain cells, particularly how that could lead to depression. First of all, I want to say that it's really cool that we all work in the same research group, but we have such distinct research projects. Yeah. That's how we all came together, right? We all have that shared interest, despite how different our specific research projects are. We're all super interested in mental health. And I think that's basically what led us to do this podcast together. Our lab has a blog associated with it. Maybe, Carolina, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about it, since you're quite involved in it? So Inspire the Mind is a platform and at the moment its biggest output is a blog and we publish scientific content on psychiatry, mental health research and we also publish on lived experience and everything in between really. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just from that, you know, we decided that we wanted something that people could listen to on the tube and something where we could have guests and have longer discussions, which uh, we can't have as much on the blog. Also, all three of us love to chat. So that was the perfect medium. Our aim with this podcast is really to talk to you about mental health as young researchers in a very relaxed way and we can explain to you what all the latest research is about or more complicated concepts of mental health with our friends and experts and also people with lived experience who can talk about mental health from their own perspective. Absolutely because we're, we're all learning right we're sort of uh micro experts in maybe a little bit of the research that we do but there's so much we don't know and we're fascinated about and we want to to get you excited about this world of uh, mental health research. I think the podcast is particularly relevant now following what we've all gone through the last couple of years with the pandemic. We're not going to talk about the pandemic too much but 
just the fact that there is much more of a spotlight now on mental health more than like I've ever experienced in my life a lot of people who never would have thought about mental health in the first place are now talking about it and um, I think the discourse around mental health definitely needs to increase um, so hopefully we can help do that with this podcast as well I think for me it's partially why I'm so into mental health the fact that it historically has never been treated the same way as physical health and I know we've had this discussion off the podcast a couple of times already but you don't see somebody who's struggling with their mental health or has a mental illness it's not as obvious as a broken leg but it should be taken just as seriously yeah and I I feel like with physical health people will look for help much sooner you know if your head hurts you take some paracetamol but with your mental health, you might have a set of symptoms that you don't even associate with mental health to to start with. You know, an upset stomach, you can't sleep very well, um, and you might only look for help when things are a bit more, more tricky, more complex. And by normalizing mental health and symptoms and experiences of mental health, maybe we can, um, when, when we're swaying off balance, we can go back to balance east, more easily and quicker rather than waiting for things to get a bit too difficult. Um, not too difficult, but more difficult. I agree with you, Carolina. I feel like in a lot of ways, mental health is physical health. You know, they're, they're very much intertwined and our brain is one of the most important organs in our body. Um, and that's that's where a lot of the stuff kind of goes wrong yeah. with mental illness. So I went for dinner with a friend a couple nights ago and he he suffers from an anxiety disorder, he takes medication, and he said that the first time he realised something was wrong with his mental health was, was when he had a panic attack. Clearly there was much happening uh, behind the scenes that he wasn't even aware of, and it had to go to an extreme where essentially his body was unable to cope for him to actually inquire what's, what was happening with his mind. And... You know, panic attacks are very common. A lot of people experience them, but the goal might be to minimize them um, and and work towards, you know, more a balanced way of being. But balance is a very personal, subjective thing. But, you know, Mm. to be in a state where you wouldn't be experiencing panic attacks and you'd be going through the motions, but in a way, you know, what's going on and you can bring yourself back to balance, to homeostasis, like us scientists would say. Question for you girls, have you ever had a panic attack? Yes, multiple. Because <laughs> I was going to ask whether you recognised it as a panic attack the first time it happened to you. Oh no, I went to A&E. I was dying. There was something wrong with me. Yes. I, it's exactly what happened to me uh, when I had my first one. I didn't know what was happening to me. I thought I was dying. Like, I was dying. It was <laughs> what was happening. I was sure of it. Um, And the irony was that I was studying all of the symptoms of panic attacks for my upcoming psychiatry exam. But it shows that even us, right, we're a lot more, I feel, attuned to mental health and we still can't always recognise it when it hits us in the face. Yeah, I feel like I only really became aware of mental health in my late teens. You know, we didn't really talk about it at school. We didn't get taught anything about mental health. Um, I mean, the most we got taught in PSHCE was how to say no. Wait, what is PSHCE? (laughs) 
translate for yes, us? Yes, translation for uh, non-natives, please. Is it? Okay, I actually need to look up the every single word because I, okay, so it's personal, social, health, and citizens, citizenship education. It was a subject that we took in secondary school. So does everyone have that? Yeah, so you're supposed to learn about social skills and things that will help you in your life but all we really got taught was how to say no to sex which I didn't find that helpful (laughs) (laughs) like every lesson but (laughs) important social skills guys (laughs) or like how to how to um have protected sex and stuff like that like just how to be safe um but there was nothing about mental health at all in school or building resilience or anything like that and one thing I've noticed um while being a researcher on the eBrain study, because um, we're working with a lot of young people um, in secondary schools, is they are so much more switched on. Um, they know so much more than I did at that age about anxiety, about mental health. They know about stigma. Um, you know, we, we tested them on myths about anxiety and, and they, were, they were great. They knew so much. So it gives me a lot of hope um, for the next generation um, they're definitely learning a lot more than we did, than I did at least, um, going through the UK education system. Why is this topic so important to you? Why are you so passionate about it? So I've actually had some experience with mental illness myself, ongoing battle since I was 17 years old. So it's been a bit of a journey and that's how I always explain it to people. I'm like, it's a journey, it's a process, it's going to take time. Um... And my own experience with it is what's made me so enthusiastic and passionate about it now and like why I why I care at all. I think I was quite naive beforehand. I'd never really faced um, any major adversity in my life, luckily. Um, and I'm quite grateful for that. But then a lot happened when I was 17 and now I'm still working on my mental health because of that. Um, that's why it's so important to me and because I know how much people suffer like my experience has like quadrupled my empathy skills and my ability to just understand where other people are coming from how they're feeling what they're going through I think that's so important in just every aspect in your life let alone mental health I remember being in primary school and I always wanted to like stick up for like the different kid or the kid who was rejected or the kid who had issues and people just saying oh you know but people are just different and and I was like but why where does it come from like why are we different and why are we who we are and I think the best explanation that people had were like oh it's it's the brain it's just how you like how you are mentally and I think those questions of like how does it work and you know what happens what makes us us that never really left me because if you think about it your brain is like the tiny little squishy organ inside your skull and it makes up so much of what you are and who you are I just love it. That curiosity that you described Juliet is what fuels science and fuels research and and pushes people to go into these areas so it's so key. I know exactly what you mean me feeling heartbroken for people not being accepted and you know they they might not have any mental illness but maybe they were shy maybe they were going through things maybe they were you know different neurologically I, I don't know but I completely relate to what you're saying and even now I can't watch things like The Office you know cringe shows that make 
people's uncomfortableness a joke that makes me very uncomfortable i can't really relate to that kind of humor and i think it comes from that from feeling sorry about the people on the screen um and at the same time valdi's been very very interested in how our minds work how we're all so different so little puzzles made of pieces from memories of our past the way that we we experienced life um and i guess when when i had a moment in my life when i was very anxious i went on a on a very deep journey of self knowledge because i don't think i knew who i was i had a very superficial understanding of myself until then and i have to say that the first thing i turned to was yoga i was already practicing before but when i started feeling this anxiety that i didn't know where it came from that same day I said okay this has been here for a few hours this is not normal what i'm going to do i'm going to really dive into yoga and uh, that's when I, when i started taking it more and more seriously it's kind of like a whole field of research that we're very much involved in it's this kind of interaction between your brain and your body and how it goes back and forth i think we we shouldn't always generalize and say that everything is in the brain is not all about that one organ mental health we refer to mental health as separate from physical health um but when i started learning more about mental health you realize that they are very much intertwined and that if anything mental health is physical health because your brain is an organ which is physical it's in your head um and your mental health can have actually devastating physical effects if you don't look after it it is a relationship that's really nice to explore also on a personal level like carolina you did with with yoga i didn't start enjoying sport until i really realized the impact of my mind on my body and that i needed to work with like both to actually <laughs> enjoy exercise and find a way that worked for me I think there's a really interesting sorry if I keep talking about yoga in these episodes but it's sort of my persona um a really interesting way of looking at the interplay between mind and body in yoga is in yoga we say that all the diseases come from a more energetic field that you have and then it goes into the mental emotional and physical and physical is the most obvious manifestation of disease so everything that happens in the body starts in the mind so if you're anxious or you're a bit depressed you're going to feel it in your body straight away and in fact in yoga we say that it starts in the stomach it starts in the digestive system so you're going to get stomach cramps or you're going to have to run to the bathroom or you're going to lose your appetite or you're going to emotionally eat so it's really interesting that so many philosophies have picked up this you know thousands of years ago the interplay between your mind and your body and illness i totally agree with you carolina i mean i don't know how many times i went to the toilet before we before we recorded this because of how nervous and anxious i was feeling um so yeah definitely i have a question for you mariam and juliet for you too what do you feel about the term that our generation and the generation below has been coined so the snowflake generation isn't the snowflake generation the millennials avocado on toast and starbucks or yeah <laughs> what are we referring to in any case 
younger people. So I've I've heard the term, the expression being used uh, because we're so in tune with our well-being and our mental health that lots of us have created lots of boundaries. We speak up when something isn't doesn't feel right. Uh, we prioritize your, our well-being and our mental well-being above, you know, workload, expectations from employers, expectations from uh, professors. And so some, you know, middle-aged white man decided to start calling us the snowflake generation. Uh, as in, we don't have mental resilience. And I find that very infuriating. And I wanted to know your opinion. I feel it comes from a place of ignorance is a bit harsh, maybe just a lack of understanding of mental health. Because again, I mean, even I didn't have that. We didn't have that. So it's way worse for the older generations who have only just started hearing about mental health and trying to understand it. Um, and it's something so complex and it's something that they've probably experienced, you know, um, fluctuations in their mental health, but not been able to acknowledge what's going on. Um, I feel it comes from the same place of suck it up and just get on with it. And I really disagree with that, that way of thinking. I feel like it's more destructive, you know, than progressive, than helpful. I think also older generations, they've never been taught which tools to use even to talk about their mental health. Um... And I think also because as a society, our generation and the generation like right after us, there is a lot more space to talk about that. Um, but one thing I was kind of wondering then, bouncing off of that, because a lot of the time you'll hear two generations above us or something, people will say it's all in your head. But we also have a lot of science now showing that it's not just you know, in your head, it's actually in your brain, there's actual physical, physiological changes that you can measure in your brain, and also in the rest of your body when you suffer from anxiety, from depression. So as scientists, guys, what's your take on this, you know, physical versus mental illness type of thing? Well, I can give you a very good example from one of the studies I work in. There's a study that we do called Shaper PND. It's the Melodies from Mum study. And in that study, we're measuring improvements or changes in mental health following a 10-week singing intervention for new mothers with their babies. And what we see... Uh, or we've seen in previous studies, is that there's an improvement with singing. So depression scores of women, they improve with the singing. Now, alongside this, we're also testing a bunch of biological measures that have been shown before to be related to mental health. We measure cortisol, uh, which is called the stress hormone. We're measuring that in saliva and hair. You can measure that in your hair, which is really incredible. Uh, we're measuring oxytocin to, to measure the, the interaction, the, the bond created between the mother and the baby. We're measuring cytokines, which are inflammatory markers, because we know that these are related to mental health. We're measuring other hormones and other stress markers because there's so much information that we can get biologically that is directly associated with mental health. And this is just an example of one of the studies we're doing. There's so much more, you know, you can get so much information from, you know, MRI scans of the brain. You can get so much information. Hello, Mariam and her e-brain study. MRI scans. <laughs> can you tell us more? Yeah, of course. So I think what's really uh, exciting about the e-brain study for me is that we're looking at so many different aspects and bringing them together these different factors to look at like get a more holistic view of these 
adolescents' mental health when they come in to see us. You know, we interview them, we ask them about their mental health, their emotional well-being, their life experiences, if they've had trauma or difficult life experiences, which is really important to us. But then we're also looking at similar to you Carolina we're looking at samples like really gross ones we look at their urine their blood (laughs) urine blood saliva you know some of the kids they're they're aged 11 to 14 when they come in for their first study visit so obviously they're super grossed out a lot of the time by having to give us a pot of their pee but it's really helpful to us because we'll be able to uh, delineate you know what makes some young people more resilient Um, in the face of difficult life experiences. And then on top of the interviews and the biological samples, we're also doing MRI scans. We get to see what's going on when they're doing these different tasks, how the different parts of their brain look. So you're basically looking at structures kind of lighting up in the screen when you're doing an MRI scan. I'm just trying to give our listeners sort of a visual idea of what that would look like. So they would be doing a certain task and then you could see on a screen their brains and certain areas sort of popping. Exactly. Do you guys want to know a fun fact? Cytokines, so the inflammatory markers, have also been measured basically in snot in children because it's very difficult to take blood from them. And sometimes it's also difficult to get the right amount of saliva. One of the things with hair samples is that if you measure, for example, uh, cortisol levels, so stress hormone levels in the hair, it mostly measures it kind of over time so it's a bit more I guess a retrospective measure but for example these inflammatory markers to have more right on the spot uh, measurements I've seen that they've used they have on tap yeah yeah on tap in fact (laughs) they they have used that which I think is fascinating I wanted to ask you guys what you're a self-proclaimed expert in. I mean, I've been debating this in my mind for <laughs> for like for a little bit. I'm like, what am I a self-proclaimed expert in? Because as I was telling the girls before this podcast, I rap Hamilton like nobody, but I know I'm not the only self-proclaimed expert in that area. I think many people would fight me, but I'm also very good at having like random existential crises at frequent intervals throughout the day. So I'm very good at that. I can definitely relate to that. I think that's something that I go through daily basis. But what would I say I'm actually a self-proclaimed expert in? Maybe not an expert, but I play a lot of video games. I spend a lot of time on my computer. I'm quite good at using computers, but I wouldn't say I'm like the best person in the world. Um... (laughs) I've been playing video games since I was like four years old and I've been on the PC since I was around that age as well. I was very lucky to have a PlayStation 2 in the house and we would play a lot of Tekken and GTA and all that good stuff that a four-year-old should really not be playing. So that's definitely where that hobby has come from. What am I a self-proclaimed expert in? This is something that I've been a self-proclaimed expert since I was a child. Um, and I'd like to think that I've been getting better and better, which is to cook a meal out of nothing. Give me your empty fridge, your cupboard with like a tin of chickpeas and, you know, some random sauce that you brought from holiday a couple of years ago. I will make you a meal. I will. 
it might not be the best meal ever, but I can go days and days without going to the shop and still cook full meals. <laughs> Two, three courses. I will definitely take you up on that, Carolina. I expect you at my flat um, in a few hours so you can cook dinner for me. Um, I want to say, I think this is too cute. <laughs> and like, Mario, I'm like a super cute talent. And then you have Carolina, who's just like, I can make a meal out of nothing, which, by the way, I'm very jealous of. Um, I feel like we could talk about this forever, though. Um, yeah. But I think we've gotten to know, well, our audience has gotten to know us a little bit better. Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, it's been really nice talking uh, with everyone. Um, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey everyone, it's Celeste. This episode of At the Back of Your Mind was recorded on the 10th of September 2021, featuring our hosts Juliet, Mariam and Carolina. Be sure to check out our Instagram at atbyom podcast and visit inspiremind.org slash at the back of your mind for more episodes, transcripts, social media and contact information. A big thank you to our editor and producer Melissa Coase and our research team Naria Marzi-Hartunian and Amina Begum. Thanks also to Inspire the Mind and our Editor-in-Chief, Professor Carmine Pariante, for the continued support in helping us bring this podcast to the air. And last of all, thank you for listening. See you next time.